0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the MM Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger, along with me is my co host, Chase McCallum. And today, um, we are not really sure what we're going to talk about. Uh, just going to kind of go around the league and, and talk about some stuff that's happened over the past week and early season trends. Uh, Chase and I are just kind of talking off air here quick. Um, it's been a relatively boring is the right way to put it but definitely slow it feels like in terms of news um you know big news stories anyways that have happened for the first uh couple weeks here and um you know not that we were expecting you know massive trades or anything like that but even just like in terms of massive news stories it doesn't feel like there's been a ton of stuff on ice um but that Being said, there, there's definitely some stuff we can talk about, and there's been a couple of pretty big injuries that have happened over the past couple of weeks that we haven't really talked about. Uh, one of those being Zach who who is done for the season, uh, unfortunately, for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, and, and I say unfortunately because you never want to see someone get hurt, but uh, for Columbus, this is probably the best case scenario, and I really wonder. Obviously, I'm not questioning like Wurenski is very hurt, uh, you know, they they uh, I can't remember if it was a it was a shoulder injury that was kept keeping him out. I think it was maybe a shoulder injury. Um, but, let uh, I mean, yeah, separated shoulder and a torn leg. Bone. That doesn't sound uh, fun at all. But um, I kind of wondered if we're going to see more and more as the year goes on. Teams near the bottom of the standings, like the Columbus Blue Jackets are, were 4-9-1, and one, uh, worst in the East right now, just shutting guys down if it gets to like, even – if it's a 50-50 chance he could come back. It's probably the move with how strong the draft is, to be honest. Yeah, and so yeah, anyone wondering why, it's because getting first place in this year's draft could mean you get a franchise-changing player. Um, Connor Bedard is obviously the number one pick. Basically, everyone has heard to him uh, or heard of him at this point. Uh, you know, he is. Slated to go number one overall, he's having a year that proves that. Uh, and then there's uh, Michkov, who is playing in Russia right now, and there's also Adam Fantilli, who's been off to an absolutely amazing start as well. Um, and you know, so both of those guys that they they could be something really, really special as well. And they changed the draft lottery this year again, so that the first the team that faces last or finishes last, sorry, uh, picks third overall at the very lowest. So that means you, if there are three. Franchise level players and a generational player in this draft pool, you know, finishing last means you secure one of them, which is
1: absolutely massive. Yeah, it's completely franchise altering, especially for a team like Columbus, who seems to have lacked homegrown stars for forever now.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, it's one of those things where they obviously have Wierenski, but that's as close to a star as they've
1: gotten probably in a very long time, right? Like. Yeah, I'm like grown anyways, Wierenski really good, but Star's generous. Seth Jones was traded at a young age, and even Star was probably a little generous for him too. Like, same with like Patrick Line. Yeah, like post post Nash, has there been has there been like a true superstar for plus? Uh Panarin. Not yeah, homegrown. He, he wasn't homegrown either. Yeah, yeah like even Panarin was there for two years, kind of thing. Like the The security of drafting somebody like that would be clutch for them. It does suck for uh Wrensky though, because he was having an amazing year, even though he's had kind of an up and down career.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I think he was kind of off to another really good start and a highlight on a a blue line that is going to be tested. That's for sure. Because Boquist, I believe, is also still out long term. Um, I'm just trying to it's pull gonna up. Get ugly. Yeah, and like again, not that that's the worst thing for the team. Um, but, yeah, I think we mentioned a lot, yes last week already, like, what's Johnny Goudreau thinking here?
1: Have you seen the meme on Twitter going around where he's like, I signed up in Columbus so I get the opportunity to play with Connor Bedard? <laughs> no, I didn't see that. That's funny. <laughs> I saw that the other day. It was perfect. Yeah, I mean, that's basically – At least there's, like, the brightest silver lining of all silver linings this year. Although, if you're Gaudreau, I'm sure it still sucks.
0: Yeah, like, I can't imagine it's fun. This is probably, you know, like, if someone told you this is the best he'll ever be in Columbus, not saying he's going to drop off a cliff after this, but he's 29 years old, you know? Like, yeah, this might be his best year, and they might be using it to go tank for Connor Bedard.
1: Yeah, and his, like, individual numbers are probably going to take a hit, too. They have... What half a puck moving defenseman?
0: Yeah, like their decor right now is good. Branson, Gavrikov, Jake Bean, Marcus Bjork, uh Jacob Christensen, Andrew Peak, uh, or sorry, PK, uh, and Gavin Bayer.
1: Yeah, it's pretty pretty tough. Like, is is Jake Bean a good puck moving defenseman? I know he's like (laughs) having coming out, but I I feel like that's a little generous at this point, too, right? Yeah, and, like, Gavrikov's a good
0: defenseman, but I don't know if he's a great puck-moving defenseman or if he's just more, you know, like, defensively show, sound. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, it's going to get ugly. And, I
1: mean, it's already pretty ugly. They're tied for dead last of the entire league. Yeah, nowhere nowhere to go but up, I guess. But <laughs> I I don't think they're going to make it very far up.
0: No, I, I think, um, you know... And I know that's not what management group, clearly by this offseason, that's not what management group was thinking, but long-term, I think this is best for them. Like, there's there's no way that, like, this is a better outcome, especially now that Wierenski is injured and it's not like you're asking him to just actively suck or anything like that. This yeah. is a better outcome than them having a bunch of loser points and Goudreau with 110 points and them missing playoffs by four
1: points or whatever. Yeah, and like... All their fancies suck, too. Like, they're they're bad, bad.
0: Yeah, they're not a
1: good team. So, yeah, it's
0: um, unfortunate for Renski, but probably overall in the grand scheme of things right now, this is probably the best option for them, um, you know, all things considered.
1: Yeah, and on the bright side, one, one good thing you can always, or you can say about Columbus recently is they've drafted really well. If you hand a front office that's drafted really well, the amount of draft capital they're about to probably be handed, Good things should probably happen in the distant future. Yeah, you would hope so. Um, So it'll be
0: interesting to keep an eye on that, and they will obviously, I think, be sellers at this deadline. It'll be interesting to see Gustav Nyquist as a U- pending UFA. I think that'll be someone that will definitely get moved this deadline. Gabrikov is also a pending UFA, but he's only 26, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. Um And then Korpisalo is a pending UFA too. Um, yeah. Okay.
1: Gabrikov feels like a guy who they extend and we're all like, why did you do that?
0: Yeah, I think so. It it either feels like that or a guy that some team like Boston just gets
1: an absolute steal of for like a third round pick at the deadline
0: and then ends up becoming
1: this like key guy at a cup run or whatever. He's actually like a number three defenseman for a top tier playoff team. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, I'm sure one of those options,
0: it'll either just be an absurd contract or it'll be like, oh yeah, that was the steal of the deadline. Yeah, um, another big injury for a team that does actually have uh, expectations this year is uh, Gabriel Landeskog is on the long-term injured reserve as well, and uh, the Colorado Avalanche haven't been off to an exactly hot start this year. They're eight five and one. Um, I think you know I haven't watched a ton of their games. From people who have been watching their games, it's been kind of like a lot of people saying it kind of seems like they are just um, not coasting necessarily or anything like that, but kind of realize they don't need to go all out in the regular season because they'll be able to crank it up in the playoffs. Most teams, I never know what to make of that because I don't think it's ever truly the case other than like Tampa is the very clear situation of that. But um, guess who
1: they're right beside next G right now. Is it the lightning? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it is a case Um the the avalanche have been hurt too. Natushka went down. But yeah, Landis-Scar is gonna have knee surgery, which is uh, expected to keep him out for a long time. Uh well not that like obviously not as long as you might think for knee surgery. Twelve weeks, though. So three months or so, which is obviously a good chunk of time, but it's not like he's in danger of missing the playoffs or anything like that. Yeah, so, he'll be
1: back for what's important, although yeah, they're they're lucky their division sucks because they can still just cruise even if they, they do quote-unquote poorly in the regular season yeah absolutely like the wild have been off to a really struggling start they've only
0: scored 42 goals they're led up 45 uh you know the jets have been off to a good start they're 9-4-1 and one, but i don't really think that is going to continue definitely not at that kind of clip right like uh, yeah that's pretty special teams fueled yeah absolutely like their five-on-five five play has been fine they're 19th yeah. in
1: course for four so far And I guess we should say is a gigantic improvement for the Jets.
0: Yeah, and they're 20 I mean they're 21st expected goals, but still that's better than like bottom seven, like I think they were at past years.
1: Yeah, like usually the in this in this era they've been really, really poor. What would scare me of the Jets is I'm pretty sure it's mostly like the penalty kill has been amazing it's been like where their biggest goal differential edges come from and like i guess you do a hell of a buck but that's not going to be a sustainable, sustainable you wouldn't think long-term so long term future i doubt
0: anyways i mean it, it could can, be it could for a year but yeah definitely not yeah. super long term but if you're just looking at it this year you know maybe you uh feel a little better than about that um i even actually looked their save percentage on the penalty kill actually only ranks uh Uh, 14th in the league. I haven't looked to see if they're, you know, what they're, let me see if I can go count here. Rates, goals against. Just give me one second as I play around with natural stat Yeah, like it's not, obviously not something that you should bank on. I mean, they're um, surprisingly not uh, goals against, goals against. Sorry, this is not a great podcast uh, uh, moment. There, they're ninth in goals against per 60. Of course he against per 60, sorry and where are they pulls again 6.03 yeah which puts them fifth in the league
1: yeah so that's like their only standout category
0: yeah exa- exactly but they're like i don't know if you told me that with their i think the bigger question for me personally will be is it, with a new coach does this shooting talent actually come through like we think it can or you know how much of a mirage is that because Um, they're not lighting the lamp up by any means at 5-on-5 in terms of like a crazy unsustainable rate Um, but they're also not um, in fact their goals their goals for 4 per 60 is 1.96 which ranks 28th in the league Um, they have a 6.77% shooting percentage at 5-on-5 which is 28th in the league right so Um, The bigger question to me is, like, if you told me Hellebook's standing on his head, that absolutely makes sense to me. Again, you shouldn't be absolutely banking on that long-term. though. They've only let 33 goals up in 14 games, and it's not like they're this, like, absolutely juggernaut defensive team either. They're about 15th in Corsi against per 60, um, expected goals against per 60. They're, again, right in that range. Um, Actually, they're they're even lower on that. They're 26th, which – but there's – I will say there's like point two of a goal against per 60 separates like 20th and 30th in this metric. Well, um, yeah, like it's not like they're a good defensive team, so it's definitely Hellebuck standing them up. My question is, can they get more out of this quarter? Like everyone thinks of them as this high-flying offense team, but that's just not the case. Yeah,
1: they just haven't been there for forever. Yeah. At uh, least so, not at Evens.
0: They've had a good No, yeah, they do have a good power play. Yeah, because their top pen talent's still there. But yeah, at even strength, they just it's not like they've been just absolutely lighting up the league
1: or anything like that. Yeah. So although uh, league average might be good enough for playoff spot in the last after a hot start. Yeah, I think it will too. I just don't it won't be good enough for first in the central. Oh, not a chance. I assume right. almost nothing they can do is gonna outrun the abs forever.
0: Yeah, like I think it would have to be more the Avs' own undoing or injuries in terms of undoing <laughs> than anything the Jets do positively. 100%. Um, and then the Stars are up there as well, 9-5-1 the Central. They're having a good start. Um, again, probably shouldn't be a big surprise to anyone. Like they have a solid team. They're playing just kind of fine hockey as well. Um, about 50% in expected goals and Corsi, which puts them right in the middle of the league. And Jay Altinger playing very well.
1: Yeah. Which again, as long as you can be average ish, get pretty decent goaltending. Well, they've got like lights out goaltending so far, but assuming he doesn't fall off a cliff. Yeah. Like that's, that's good enough for a playoff spot. And that seems to be what the stars wanted. So. Yep.
0: I will say the stars are shooting 10.85% right now at five on five, which leads the entire league. Um, they have a one hundred three point six PDO, which I have to yeah. That also leads the entire league, and obviously that doesn't mean it's bound to rest completely the other way. But it's that's probably a little high for the Stars team.
1: Yeah, running a little hot, but their XGs sandwiched between the Leafs and Flames, like that's not not bad company for for a team with significantly less talent than those two teams.
0: Again, it feels like a classic situation where this start means they probably just need to play okay for the rest of the year to make playoffs in this division slash conference, but I don't really think they're going to outrun the Avalanche, assuming the Avalanche get somewhat close to healthy. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, that's still a big loss for, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of overcome that because, you know, Natushkin was a big loss as well. He's a top-six player, and then, obviously, Landeskog, their captain, and, um, you know, still probably the third most important forward on the team, but um, when you're as good as the Avs, that's still extremely valuable against other good teams, so.
1: Yeah, although their forward depth starting to look ugly, missing all those guys, because they took a pretty decent hit in the offseason, which makes sense. That's the price of being a good team. But then, a couple big injuries gets a lot harder to sustain that when you lose all your depth like that.
0: Yeah, this is uh, when it's going to be tested to see if they can do what that Tampa mold was where they really brought in a ton of young guys to just naturally replace what they lost. And, you know, they have guys in Sampo Ranta, uh, Alex Newhook, obviously they're hoping takes a huge step this year. Martin Kaut is a 23-year-old that is going to be playing down in their lineup. So honestly, I think this will be the biggest test because it does look very – um iffy for sure is the, I think the best way to put it. Um, It'll be interesting to see if they can get what Tampa seems to always produce with guys who just step in and make the, you know, Ross Colton's of the world that just make their lineup better. And it's like, where did these guys come from?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like the most Tampa thing would be Rodriguez goes back to early year. Rodriguez Mm -hmm. last year for the Avs kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So
0: um, yeah, it's not going to be a cakewalk for the Avalanche though, this year. Like, I think last year it kind of felt like they had the division wrapped up all year. I, I don't think Minnesota was actually like too far behind them last year, but it never really felt like it was like Colorado never felt in trouble for anything. No, no, not so, at all. but uh, yeah, that's um, obviously going to be a little different now this year, which is okay because I don't think like I, I, maybe the wild card spots in the the West will be a little interesting, but the rest of this division is going to be who's,
1: like the it's going to be a tank battle to watch in this division more than anything else. A hundred percent, and like no one scares you in the Pacific either, so you're not super worried about the wild cards or anything like that. Like West yeah, is probably look so bland.
0: It'll be a wild card battle for. I mean, I think the Pacific, the Golden Knights, look like they're going to run away with this division. Yeah. Um, and then it'll be a battle between the Kings, Kraken, Oilers, and Flames for spots two and three, and add in one of the wild stars or jets for wild card one and two in the, in the West. Yeah. And other than that, like I don't, the Blackhawks aren't going to do anything this year. We know the coyotes aren't going to do anything this year. They're six, eight and one with one of the highest shooting percentages, MPDOs in the league. Uh The predators probably aren't going to do anything this year, unless UC Soros goes like, just goes absolutely God mode. And that does not look like it's happened. And the St. Louis Blues, I mean, they're, uh, they've are won three in a row now, but they lost seven in a row, and they're they're sitting at a six and eight, and they look like they're in a little bit of trouble this year, too.
1: Yeah, it turns out their true talent wasn't the third-best shooting percentage of the entire era or whatever it was last year. First best, apparently. it was the first.
0: Uh, that's what uh, Ryan Lambert on the Puck Supa sang.
1: I believe it. I remember it was either them or the one Tampa team that just did stupid things. So...
0: Yeah, so, yeah, apparently, according to him, it was the first best. uh, um, And then maybe Tampa was five on five, and they were all strength. I don't really know.
1: Yeah, they're stupidly close to the top, whatever, however you look at it.
0: Exactly. Um, Yeah, that's the thing is, like, uh, I've listened to both Puck Soup and the PDO cast, and they both hit on pretty well, where it's like, yeah, last year the St. Louis Blues had to have the best shooting percentage of basically – yeah, uh, since we've started tracking advanced stats, so in what, 15 years now?
1: Yeah, um, yeah it goes back to 07. This will be
0: the 15th season. Even that, it's not like they were absolutely locks all year to get in the playoffs, if I remember correctly. Right. Um, and if they were, it was because of the crap division more than anything else.
1: Yeah, I don't think they were. Yeah, they were third in their division. They were comfortably in the playoffs, They had one but... points. They did have one So yeah.
0: But... Um, still, like third in your own division.
1: Yeah, when you're, I mean, it's tough to say how much of that was luck because I know people said great things about the way they passed the puck, but the fact that that's completely dried up this year suggests to me a large chunk of it was probably luck. And well, that's even, the outcome. That's tough.
0: It's even more just like yeah, sure you can do stuff that prevents or gives you a higher shooting percentage or whatever. But luck is always going to be a factor that can swing that in the other way. And if you're not getting, if you're getting, especially when you're getting the bad end of luck, which they've had at times, I think, to start this year, you need to have a secondary game, which they just absolutely did not have last year.
1: Yeah, they just, and especially as their players get older, it's going to get even harder, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. And like Ryan O'Reilly came out and just fully was like, yeah, I've been dog shit this year. And he has, (laughs) been. he was right. Which, he's in a contract here, too, which is even more interesting.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it's going to be tough for him, because especially at his age and how much hockey he's played, it's going to be pretty easy to imagine a year like this being the beginning of the end.
0: Yeah, I still think if the he were to be on the deadline, or at the trade block this deadline, he would get, the Blues would get a haul for him, though.
1: Oh, yeah, they would. But if he ends this year and still hasn't picked it up, then going in the offseason, I'll just be like, I don't know. He very well could be completely washed. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, they're going to be an interesting team because you know we have seen them before when they realize they're not that good, just absolutely sell off pieces. Now, who knows with O'Reilly if that's a piece they, they even want to sell? Yeah, like they did that for three years, right? With Shattenkirk, um, um, and they were good then. Yeah, literally. Uh, Shattenkirk. Who, who else did they sell? They sold someone to Boston. Was it? It wasn't Steen. Was it? Shattenkirk was
1: dead. oh Bacchus was the other one. Oh, no. oh yeah. Yeah, Backus, yeah, yeah. They Bacchus sold Back for sure.
0: And TJ Oshi.
1: Yeah. To, to the Caps, Yeah.
0: Yeah. So um like there's three guys that were like in their prime really good. And they just like they were like, oh, we're not just sure we can beat a Chicago team or
1: whatever. So we're just gonna sell them. And I mean they ended up winning the cup after, so seems like a yeah. pretty happy story
0: yeah exactly so it will be an interesting team because tarasenko is also ufa this year and that sounds like regardless of how this year ends i
1: don't think that's going to be a reunion that's coming back yeah i i don't think so um so i'm surprised yeah, it was, it's still together no
0: kidding like i think their success last year definitely kept it together but even then this offseason all we heard was that uh both teams – both sides kind of – or Tarasenko at least wanted to still part ways and wasn't really sure he wanted to stay. Yeah, because he asked for a trade like a
1: year or two ago, right?
0: Oh, yeah. He's been asking for a trade for like two years now. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, – <laughs> I mean, it's funny, too, how how large the swing was. So they they won three in a row to start the year. Everyone's like, oh, look, they're doing it again. They then went on an L8. I I misspoke. I said L7. It was an L8. Uh, Went three and eight, and now they've won three in a row and are back to six and eight where it's like you win two more in a row and suddenly you're up in a playoff spot already if the the Wild lose one. Um, Not that that's as easy as it always goes, but, like, that's just how mad the Central has been this year. Yeah, it's just
1: so aggressively mediocre.
0: Yeah, so I don't know. It'll be – I think it'd be better if they're not good this year personally because I don't think – like, to me, they just felt like a team that's destined to be the third-best team in the Central for a number of years now, and I'd much rather see them go one way or the other, and I think the only way
1: to go up is to go down
0: before you go up.
1: Yeah, and they're not in a bad spot for that where – they could reset for like two years or something like that. And they would still have like Cairo and Thomas would still be a great age at that point. You would still have Bushnevich would be, you know, getting older, but he'd still be good. Pareko would be getting to the end, but probably still playable at least at that point. Like they have a young enough core pieces that could make it to the other end of a retool. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know, and
0: I, I do think both Tarasenko and O'Reilly would get an absolute haul at the deadline where you could probably oh, yeah. expedite a rebuild where you don't need to be rebuilding for four years because you of would presumably course. have a couple first from – a two firsts from, like, your own first and then one first from each of those trades and probably a good, a really good prospect
1: for O'Reilly and probably a
0: decent prospect for Tarasenko too.
1: Yeah. Oh so. yeah, okay, you'd be swimming in it It'd be so most to you guys, especially – O'Reilly, even if he doesn't have points, will have the two-way forward narrative going for him no matter what. Oh, yeah, just the
0: leadership thing,
1: right? Like, loved in the room, all that stuff. Yeah, good Canadian guy. Like, just every sort of narrative addition you could possibly ask for. A cup winner was amazing in the playoffs last year. Con Smythe winner. Just You could so imagine somebody talking themselves in the way of
0: Yep, 100%. Hey everyone, it's Alex here, and I'm just here to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by Betstamp. Uh, Betstamp is the first sponsor of the M&M Hockey Podcast, and Chase and I are very excited to get partnered with them. Did you know that the best way to make money while betting on sports is to have multiple different accounts over multiple different sports sportsbooks? Uh, Betstamp easily allows you to line shop and compare lines to all of these sports books. It is an absolutely amazing app. I'm already using it myself for uh, my NFL picks that I do every single week. Uh, some of the perks of BetStamp is that you can uh, quickly and easily see for any bet you want to make uh, different lines through the different sports books that have that. Uh, you can also link some sports books up to your BetStamp account and it has verified bet tracking so you can easily keep track of all the bets you have made along with a commission-free marketplace So you can take a look at other bet stamp users and what they are making and what advice they are giving for no fee at all uh, The app is completely free uh, and, and just as an example, if you ask how, how much of a difference can this make Yesterday when I was looking at the Calgary Flames and Tampa Bay Lightning, one of the most anticipated games for Thursday night uh, the best odds were actually at FanDuel at plus 140. The Calgary Flames were at uh, most books have them now that I'm looking right here at about plus 100, plus 110 in that range. So uh, that is a quite the difference. Um, and, and again, it just that's the ease of Betstamp. You can just go on their app, select NHL, select the game you want to bet on, and take a look at all the lines from all the books that have it. Uh, if you're interested, you can find BetStamp at, on the App Store, and you can use our referral code, which is MNMHockey. Again, that is MNMHockey uh, when you sign up for an account on the BetStamp app. Thank you, everyone, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. The other, the, the one bigger piece of news, I guess, from this uh, week would be Hockey All-Fame induction for last night. I don't know, did you watch any of it or no? I didn't. I saw Daniel and Hendricks and Luongo speeches. We were at hockey for the rest of the stuff. Uh, Obviously, the Sadin twins and Luongo went in. uh, Daniel Alpertson went in for the Senators. Finnish women's national team player Rika Salonen went in, and builder Herb Carnage went in uh, as well. Uh, Carnegie, sorry. Um, I don't have a ton to say about this. Uh, You know, I think we've kind of... Talked about the Hall of Fame. I feel like most people probably know our thoughts on it. And that's definitely, you know, I'm a small hall kind of person. But given where the Hall of Fame is at now, I don't have anything against any of these um, picks at all.
1: Yeah. They all, they all, it's odd because outside of maybe a little long ago, it was like an entire class of just rel- obviously Herb Carnegie going in the field was really cool. But like um, for the on ice players, it was just um entire class of hall of very goods basically which i mean there's tons of other guys like that in, so it's hard to complain too much
0: yeah exactly right like given who's already been in none of these guys don't or none of these people don't deserve to be in i think yeah in a small hall it's probably roberto lalongo and just him yeah i don't know i i'll uh, admit ignorance here i don't know enough of rika saladin to know if she should be in or not on a small hall
1: um admittedly i don't either
0: but, uh, yeah, st- uh, strictly speaking for the NHL side of things, when it comes to the sadines Alfredson, and Luongo, it's definitely – maybe you could make an argument for uh, one of the Sadines, but I don't think there would ever be a world where they only put one Sadine in.
1: Yeah, that would just feel wrong, especially because so much of this – like, the Sadines were really good, but I feel like they get – like, they're obviously get more press because, like, it's cool that they're the Sedine twins, not just, like, two guys who had good chemistry together. So to put one in without the other would just feel so gross.
0: It would. um, But, like, to be fair, like, even for a small haul, they both have a, a gold in the Olympics in 2006. Um, they have multiple world champion. They have at least one gold at the world championships. They both have an Art Ross and Daniel has, or sorry, Henrik has a heart trophy as well
1: yeah like they have a pretty decent resume their counting stats aren't particularly impressive but luckily we do have analytical data which shows them as like god tier play drivers for a decent amount of their career
0: yeah and part of their analytics stats are struggle because their first four years in the league they were 40 point players because you could do anything you wanted to them in terms of hooking grabbing slashing all that stuff and then you know as soon as it's not, a, it's not a coincidence that as soon as the lockout hit, when they came back from the lockout, they went from Daniel or Henrik Sinin went from a 29, 36, 39, 42 point player to 75, 81, 76, 82, 112, 94, 81, 45 in a shortened season, 48 games, uh, 50 in an uh, injured season, then 73, and then 55, 50, 50. But as soon as that lockout hit in 04, 05, he went from a 40, 35 to 40-ish point player to a perennial 75 plus for
1: about six, seven years. Yeah, which which does make sense.
0: Yeah. So um, and same with his brother: 34, 32, 31, and then 54. And then the lockout hits, he goes, and then following that he goes 71, 84, 74, 82, 85, 104, 67, and then uh drops off a little more from there. But like I kind of wonder if maybe we look different at them if they, you know, they break into the league in 2000 and all those rules are already there from the you know what we know of the 0405 lockout now. If the game was similar in 2000 and their first three, four years of the career, they even have an extra 15 points per year, which is what, 60 on it? They're suddenly 1,000, or um, sorry, Daniel Sedin would be suddenly an 1,100-point 1, player instead of 1041. Um, And, you know, Daniel would be, again, just over 11, 1110. would we look any different out of that?
1: That would help. Also, just if the Canucks have any healthy defensemen, they probably win a cup.
0: Yep, exactly. In that uh,
1: 2012 year or whatever it was. 2011, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Although, fun fact, neither of the Sedins are the leading all-time goals above replacement on uh, just forwards from the 2015 Canucks. Do you know who's ahead of them? 2015? I think it was, 20, maybe 2016. I know if he was on the team. Like, uh, just I'm the
0: gonna, year 2016?
1: Uh, Yeah, well, he, like, Louis Erickson's a guy. Louis Erickson has oh. more career goals but replacement than either of Zadines, which is wild to me.
0: Hmm. That is interesting. Um, yeah, All and then Luongo.
1: Again,
0: okay, I goes a Hall of Famer, no matter what your Hall standards are. Yeah. Like, I think he, I mean, yeah, even just based on play, like even forgetting what he meant to like the Florida franchise as a whole, only guy to have his number retired in Florida right now, um, put up a, over a thousand games. He played 76 games in a year one time. He had a five-year stretch in Florida and South Vancouver where he goes 72 in Florida, 75 in Florida, 76 in Vancouver, 73 in Vancouver. How absurd is that?
1: It's insane goalies used to do that. And the maybe the craziest part about Luongo is goaltending is obviously the most noisy position in the sport by a massive margin. He was impressively consistent.
0: Yeah, he's got a 919, and there's not too many years where he's more than like six points away from that in either direction.
1: Yeah, he had one one year below a nine ten outside of his rookie year. Oh, and his retiring year, and it was yeah. the lockout shortened season where he only got to play twenty games. Yeah. So in non weird seasons, because the year he retired and his rookie year, and then a lockout, over nine ten the entire time, which is kind of great. Over a nine thirteen the entire time it looks like.
0: Yeah, in, in games he played more than, or in seasons he played more than 25 or more games, he was like a 915 goalie plus, or 914 goalie plus.
1: Exactly. And he has all the medals and.
0: Yeah, won a gold, won two golds, technically. I guess he was on 2014, but was the starting goalie for a gold in 2010.
1: Yeah. And another guy who would. Because it's like somewhat controversial to say Luongo was like a slam dunk, but like if he wins that cup as. Well, as the Sedines, it's even less controversial than it already is.
0: Yeah. And like, I don't, I don't think it should be that guy. I think he's maybe, if you want to argue dominance in terms of Lundquist, Lundquist, maybe you want to argue at worst, he's the second best goalie of a generation. Maybe at worst, third, if you really want to go peak over longevity in terms of carry price, because he never had a carry price type. I mean, he was a 931 in 2003 4 Florida. I'd be really curious to see if we had to, like, we obviously don't have data for the like analytic data back then, but that would have been cool to see too. Mm
1: -hmm. And if I'm reading this correctly for the, uh, like he was amazing in the playoffs too, wasn't he? When he, when they made that big run, even though he's known as like a big choker in the playoffs. Yeah.
0: I think he sucked in the finals if I remember correctly, but to get to the finals, I'm pretty sure he was very good. He was fantastic. Yeah. Um
1: can definitely try and look that up if you know i know him. thomas was better but thomas yes, had like I a mean. 940 or something ridiculous those playoffs
0: yeah exactly then that, that was one of the best runs we've seen from goalie from tim like totally so, ever yeah um where is, where's the playoffs here the playoffs are uh his same percentage in the playoffs 12 games with vancouver in 0607 941 uh he played 10 games in 08-09 with Vancouver, 914. 14 2009-2010, he had an 8-95 in 12 games. In the 2010-11, he had a 9-14 over a 25-game stretch, uh, and I'm pretty sure that probably would have been like a nine twenty plus heading into that final series because I remember he gave up like seven at least once in that final series. He had four shutouts in that run as well, by the way. Um, the following and then the rest of his playoffs – he had two games and three games in Vancouver, 891, 915. Uh, those were the Corey Schneider years, of course. And then he, when he got traded to Florida, he had a 934 in six games, and that's the one they lost to the Islanders. Yeah, 3.8 goals saved above average in six games, and they lost to the Islanders. That is tough. I feel so bad for the boys to do that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then there's Daniel Alfredson as well, and um, – yeah, I, Alfredson's one of the Hall of Very good for sure, but again, this is basically what that is now. Um, so it was really cool as a Sens fan seeing him to get seeing him go in because he's the first real sent like Sens player that you think of when you think of a like when people think of Daniel Alfredson, they think of the Ottawa Senators, and that's probably one of the first yep. guys to be in the Hall of Fame that you can say that about.
1: He's the only one I can say that about, although obviously as a newer hockey fan i could be missing some some of the legends i don't think you are cuz there is yeah, no I, legends in ottawa yeah it'll be like like when, Spe- when spezza goes
0: in maybe you'll think of spezza
1: yeah i will cuz yeah his
0: best years were still in ottawa
1: yeah people meme about the leafs but like <laughs> don't to yeah. look back at as a leaf
0: and you saying that just already shows how like forgettable the Dallas stars years were yeah. So, yeah, I think when if, if Spezza gets in, which, I don't know, do you think is a Hall of Famer?
1: I don't. I don't think so either,
0: even in this Hall of Fame,
1: to be honest. Yeah, I, I think he's just outside in this Hall of Fame. I would agree,
0: 995 points in 1,248 games. Like, you was a really good player in Ottawa. And, it, again, he kind of feels one, like, if Ottawa gets that cup in 07, we probably look a little differently at him because he's got a Stanley Cup. Yeah. In which he was like the second best player on the team. It was like him, Alfredson. I mean, it's the whole line, right? The
1: whole line, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the tough thing with Spets is his dominance was short-lived, and then he had basically a decade of being, you know, pretty productive. But like half of that decade was as like a cool fourth-liner. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, the more I look at it, he has not had any major way. He's not a Hall of Famer. No. What? Yeah, so, like, Alfredson's the first guy, I think, and, yeah, probably the only guy until, you know, Eric Carlson goes in. And even Eric Carlson, like, I think he will probably mostly be remembered for Ottawa, but let's say he actually, like, let's say this year's legit. He's finally got back on the rails. He's healthy again. And he rattles off, like, four more just really good years with San Jose or some other team that's not Ottawa. It's not a lock that everyone just considers him an
1: Ottawa Senator. He could win a Norris trophy this year, which would really muddy those waters.
0: Yeah. I think he would have to win a Norris trophy this year and still be good for a couple
1: of years in San Jose specifically, but yeah. for sure. Yeah. I, it would obviously take a lot because like, he was so stupidly good in Ottawa, but if he wins in Norris this year, he'll have a sweet narrative going like everybody thinks he's cooked and then he cons- continues to be good. I could see everybody remembering him for, like, the great comeback and everything too. Yeah, for sure.
0: But, yeah, for Alfredson, hands down, I mean, it, it's kind of sad that, you know, he had that one year as a Red Wing, but um, playing tough. just under 1,200 games with the Ottawa Senators had um, – over 1,100 points with them in that. He was just under a point per game, I think, with the Ottawa Senators. Um, team captain for a number of years. Uh, peaked at 103 points in the 05-06 season. Uh, again, uh, and then that was not the year they actually went to the guy. I can't believe those Those early to mid-2000s teams were so good. Just looking back on them on paper every single year, it's like, God, how did they not do better? Especially when they lose to the Leafs like four times in seven years or whatever. Um yeah. But yeah, just a, I mean, one, literally my second favorite player of all time. Um, Carlson's number one, uh, just because I was a little older when I got to see Pete Carlson. But Daniel Alfredson, the first true hockey memory I have, I can remember him scoring in game five of the 06-07 cup run against Buffalo to send Ottawa to the Stanley Cup finals. That is like, when people say, what's your first hockey memory? I have like select other ones, but that is
1: the first major one that stands out to me. That makes sense. That's a good one. Do you want know, to know the saddest thing in the world? What? Do you know what the first thing I vividly remember about hockey is? I don't know. Being confused as to why they weren't playing hockey games during the 04-05 walkout.
0: Oh god.
1: That seems very fitting. Yeah. That was my first NHL memory, anyways. I was yeah. I just had no clue what was happening, and my dad tried to explain it to me and it did not help.
0: <laughs> You're trying to say explaining a labor lockout to a five year old didn't
1: work really well. No, it did not. I was not ready for the nuances of contract law and uh F5. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> oh man. Uh well
0: yeah, That so that that was um um it'll be Interesting. I don't even know who's eligible for the Hall of Fame this year, to be honest. Eligible for 2023. Because Charo wouldn't be yet. He's got to be for Is like, Hank. a couple more, right? Um, I don't think so, because he didn't technically retire until last year, right?
1: Oh, yeah, because he was technically playing. Because it's
0: been a... It's I been a while since
1: a he a... played. Yeah. yeah. But he'll be the oh. next true...
0: Okay, never like, mind. Two days ago, Hockey Hall of Fame of 2023 could include Lundqvist.
1: Okay. So he'll be oh, the, he'll be the slam best at his yeah. position guy that we have in a little bit.
0: First year eligible, and this is on NHL.com two days ago. Corey Crawford. I'm gonna say no to him
1: probably. If Corey Crawford gets like Corey Crawford was underrated for this for the Blackhawks, but if he gets in, that that is tough. Yeah, I mean
0: there's some Edmonton dynasty guys that are way worse than Corey Crawford, but
1: yeah, I mean at least Corey Crawford was good at stopping the puck in a way that Grant Fuhrer never was. Yeah. Hendrick
0: Lundquist, Slam Dunk, I think he'll be the headliner. Justin Williams? Uh,
1: yeah. I don't in. think he should get in, but I, I could see definitely see him getting in. He probably shouldn't, but Mr. Game 7, and like... Yeah, with that nickname, you're rings. almost bound to get in. Con's my trophy, a couple rings. Yeah, and like, he was a Good play driver again, but like you can probably name 50 plus guys from the current NHL who are better than he is or was.
0: Yeah, he feels like a guy who won't get in first
1: ballot, but will wait like five years and then get in. Yeah, like he's not as good as the Sedins. No, no we're close. Oh, yeah, or close. So that's that uh, starts to get it. Like, is he even as good as like Matt Duchesne? Hey, I guess it depends how <laughs> highly you want
0: to rate playoff success, right? Like, yeah, or like Vladimir your for Tarasenko goals again this
1: year. Like, I don't yeah. think
0: Justin Williams got anywhere close to that in his
1: career. No, is he as good as Vlad Tarasenko? No, like probably not. Yeah.
0: Johnny so points. No, sorry, okay. He had a 76 and 67 back in 05-06 with the Hurricanes and 06-07. But okay. like he cracked 70 points once in his career.
1: Yeah. Is he as good as Zach Parise? Uh, like probably not. No,
0: that that's getting at least closer to the line, but <laughs> yeah. Zach Parise is not a hockey hall of famer.
1: No. What about like I mean, David Craig?
0: Yeah, like, I would never think
1: of those guys as Hall of Famers. No, not even close. Is he... Yeah, like... Yeah, like, I, I, he feels
0: like one that probably will get in, but yeah, I think that'll upset a bunch of people, and, I mean, I'm at the point where I don't really get upset no matter who's in. I don't don't really care, but... um, Other previously eligible candidates that I've listed here, uh, Jennifer Botterill, eligible since 2014, Rob Brindamore eligible since 2013, uh, Megan Duggan eligible since 2022. Uh, I could see her going in as well. She for, sounds like someone
1: to get in. Yeah. The,
0: the stupid thing is, you know, why do they not use both? They should be using both women slots every year.
1: They have two women slots available, and they just choose to use one. It's so stupid, especially because they, yeah. they're so underrepresented to be clear literally because they didn't put them in for years, and then they proceed to keep on like actively make the problem worse yeah, every it, single year it
0: genuinely makes no sense to me um yeah like that, that it just makes no sense uh patrick eliosh sergey gonchar um curtis joseph are other names listed alex mcgilney that's a classic uh, people like to argue chris osgood carolyn let
1: classic names who people like to argue in there
0: yeah david poyle uh keith kachuk so I think Hendrik Zetterberg, he was eligible last year as well. I think, assuming they have five, Hank will be a slam dunk, and then it'll probably be a mix of four of the other guys who have been eligible
1: for a couple of years now. Brendamore probably gets in. Yeah,
0: Brendamore, McGilney. I think if you're putting McGilney and you put Keith Kachuk in as well, right?
1: Yeah, at least McGilney, because McGilney was the first guy to come over, though, right? So you can spin McGilney above guys with similar impacts on ice as him.
0: I don't think Ronick's going in, because I don't think they can trust him not to say something absolutely idiotic from when they nominate him or during his speech as well. Like, I just don't think he's going in.
1: I haven't heard that name in a very long time.
0: Since he got fired from NBC.
1: This has been me, you just saying that, I like I've never been at a point in my life where I'm like, wow, I haven't heard Jeremy Roenick's name in a long time, literally until this exact moment. <laughs> oh well, I apologize for that, because <laughs> it felt like he was so ever present for. Oh so yeah, like, long. just always
0: like... kind of saying something weird, and then like people retweeted and oh look at this guy, and just try and dunk on him or whatever. It's like oh my god,
1: yeah.
0: Um, all right, let's maybe two more things that we can cover in terms of news. Uh. And the one is TJ Brody is out for the Maple Leafs. And then Dubas came out today, uh, this week as well and said, uh, it kind of makes like I don't think Jake Muzzin's returning. You know, he's had he got a spinal injury right now. Uh, they're not expecting, they're not even evaluating him until like February again. But it basically sounds like he will not be returning for the trade deadline, maybe not ever again. Um, scary stuff. I like honestly, it's kind of a point where I hope that is the case just for his own safety. But from a Toronto on ice perspective, they are now down Muzzin and Brody. Brody's a massive
1: loss for this team. Losing Brody sucks. Brody's been their best defenseman this year comfortably. I've thought anyways.
0: Yeah. Um, so I don't really know what they do. Like they're just going to have to kind of stick it out.
1: Um, Jordy Ben, maybe.
0: Yeah. And, and say he scored a goal the other night as well. Um, it's at least you know they're getting Lillard and Sandine. I mean Lillard and Sandine. It's trial by fire now. It's can it you,
1: very like, much is
0: you're you're gonna get a look to know if these guys are ready to take the the bigger spot you've been hoping that they are gonna take for a couple of years now, right?
1: So, hundred percent. Because like the Leafs still assuming Jordy Ben's not meaningfully different than your normal sixth defenseman, which I don't know. Maybe he's a seven, but like I don't really care about that distinction. They still do have, like, six NHL defensemen.
0: Yep. Their problem is more the high-end kind right now, yeah. assuming... Like, it, it, like that's where it depends what Will and Sandin are, it's right? Will like,
1: and Sandin better be good.
0: Yeah, because if Jordy Ben's a six, that's fine. Justin Hall's a five slash six-ish.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say he's a five, probably.
0: Giordano's probably a, still, like, a three or four, but you probably don't want to use them like that. Because you get no. the
1: best results out of them
0: playing him as a five slash six.
1: Yeah, ideally use him sparingly at age 39. Yeah. For obvious um, reasons.
0: And then yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of Morgan Riley. He's a top pair defenseman. Is he a one of them Still? Is there a two or like a six? I actually can't. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. So like, but well, yeah, he's a top pair guy, but I think, yeah, he's more of a two probably than a one these days. Uh and then yeah, you have so there's Four guys we just named, and we basically named a 2, a 5, a 5, and a 6 in terms of how you want to use Giordano. And Giordano's a very good 5. Um, he would be above that if you could just play him more minutes, but you can't. Um, so now you have well, a gaping hole there for a 1, a 3, and a 4 that you need. I mean, you're just going to have to accept that, like, one of Giordano. And to be fair, Giordano can play number 4 minutes for 4 weeks, 3, 4 weeks if he needs to. It's just not as ideal, you know, in a perfect world.
1: Yeah, it's not optimal,
0: but um, yeah, that so you have Liljgren and Sandine and you're you go from like, oh yeah, this is nice as their fifth and sixth defenseman to we really need one of these guys to be
1: at worst a two, and yeah, another one to
0: be a three slash four.
1: Yeah, it sucks because like narratives take so long to change. <laughs> The Leafs didn't even have a stacked defense core for long enough for the, they need to trade for a defenseman things to stop Well, it was false. And now the people who have been saying it all along are just going to keep saying it, but they're finally right again for the first time in like three years. Yeah.
0: It has nothing to do with like the play of the defenseman they had originally. It's just, they're all
1: hurt. Yeah, exactly. It's just been stunningly unlucky in the entire defensive side of the puck when you include goalies, especially too. Yeah. Um,
0: kind of wonder what they do. Everyone like everyone knows they need to go get a defenseman. It looks like they probably should have most of. If they don't have all of it, they will have most of Muzzin's five point six two five to play with. Like, it doesn't. It sounds like if he's coming back, it's like right around the end of the regular season, which probably means he's not going to count for much against
1: the cap. Well, and Muzzin's been so hurt. There's no way that if the Leafs need to make a trade that requires Muzzin's space to be off the books, you're not going to be able to be like, hey, Jake, we need you to take an extra two weeks vacation before you come back. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, but. And this is like maybe in a couple months where like Muzzin is legitimately never playing hockey again. I, it kind of seems like that, man. Like, which is I, sad, but. It's awful. I'm shook from like still from the Marner interview where they just kind of ask him about it randomly, and he immediately is like, I hope he's okay for his life outside of hockey.
0: Yeah, they weren't even really
1: so dark. They weren't even really talking about like, um,
0: Muzzin's long term future. They're just like, Oh, how's he doing or whatever? Can we expect him back soon? Yeah, he just goes, Yeah, I just hope he can be healthy for the rest of his life. It's like, Oh my
1: god. Yeah, he was like brought up being healthy for his kids and stuff. It's like, shit, he went really serious really fast, which is probably a horrible sign.
0: Yeah, 100%. So, um, but yeah, like I, I'm just trying to think of uh, sorry, there goes my dog. Uh, I'm just trying to think of like guys that are even available because here upcoming UFA defensemen for this year, and then this will be sorted by uh, cap hit likely on the cap here, John Klingberg. Not really a fit for this team. Maybe, but not, I don't know. Doesn't feel like a great fit for this team. Matt Dumba, more interesting a fit, but I don't think you want to be giving up massive assets yeah. to then have to re-sign Matt Dumba,
1: right? Yeah, Dumba would be too expensive.
0: Um, Dmitri Orlov, a left-handed D. I don't see Washington giving him up.
1: Yeah, probably not. The problem with guys like Dumba and Orlov is like, they help. But they're almost as expensive as the really, really, really good guys, so you might as well just go all out.
0: Yeah, but the problem is there's almost no really, really, really good guys, you know?
1: Yeah. Oh, you have to work like in um, the offseason, which exactly this case, you might get fired I'll do this first.
0: Shane Goss despair, that could be an interesting one if you're getting two guys, but like he's not gonna save your blue line.
1: No, Goster's been good, but again, left-handed. Yeah, doesn't uh, help the situation. Damian
0: Severson. I like I get, Severson. I, I do too, but I don't think if New Jersey's top of the Metro, they're probably not trading him away, right?
1: No, I doubt it. I mean, this this year's best case scenario for New Jersey, I don't really see a case in which they're selling off people.
0: Yeah. Um, the Penguins aren't selling off Brian
1: Dumoulin. Vince Dunn
0: is an RFA this year, but again, he's not, I think he seems like a guy in Seattle is going to want to keep.
1: Yeah, and even I like Vince Dunn, and I thought he had a ton of potential, but I didn't. like you're not being like, oh, we're cup contenders now. Yeah, we got Vince Dunn back there, also left handed. Uh,
0: Kevin Chattenkirk again just doesn't seem like the greatest fit for this team necessarily.
1: Yeah, I suppose six years too late for that one. Uh,
0: Ryan Graves again, devils aren't trading him. Yeah, somebody like Graves would probably be all right, but yeah, you're not getting. Maybe the first guy that makes sense on this list, and I will cry if this happens, is our Tim Zou. <laughs> yeah, that actually would be a pretty good. Well, like I like Ottawa wants to keep him. It just depends if they can. Yeah, but they're Ottawa's, and we can get into them in a second. That's the other team I want to hit on. They are they are really seeing what uh, how bad their decor looks without him. So. But that's like if that's a team where, you know, if Ottawa keeps sputtering like they have been and they decide they need to sell one more year and they can't get a deal done with Zoo, that's a team that I think smart teams would be coveting quite a bit. Yeah, Zoo could be a good piece. Because, yeah, he would fit perfectly
1: on that top pair with Morgan Riley. He would be a great partner for him. Yeah, wasn't he amazing with Shabbat? It's basically just playing the same role. Yeah, exactly.
0: You can either, he, he either plays with Shabbat or he just carries a second pair by himself.
1: Yeah. Actually you're probably not freaking out for Riley Brody, but you play him with well,
0: so That's the other thing is you yeah, you get to either choose play him with Riley and then let Brody carry a pair, or play Brody and Riley together and let Zoo carry, or not even carry, but let Zoo play with uh Rasmus Sandine or whatever. Sandine,
1: yeah.
0: And then go Geo and uh Lily Dredd. But again, like that's the I just got to like the 19th name on this list, and that's the first guy I go, oh, that would actually make sense. And even then I don't think Ottawa's going to want to give them up.
1: You need a bunch of things to go right. Yeah, honestly, the, the move is probably just to add up front. Yeah. Realistically. And no, I will
0: say, I think the one, I've heard it a couple times, and I do think this is a fair point, that I think almost more likely than just a one-year rental, like Dubas doesn't like those one-year rental guys.
1: He's a big two-year guy.
0: Yeah, so I, I think the, and what I'm trying to pull up right here, is find a guy who's a free agent in two years that he can like trade a first and a prospect or whatever for instead
1: yeah exactly maybe like one of the calgary defensemen or something like that mm-hmm, yeah because um, they have a ton of good defenders and they're struggling
0: i'm just looking <laughs> by cap it brent Seabrooks, number one uh let it <laughs> should probably sort this to
1: ufa only because i don't see why teams would be selling um um well, problem with these trades, too is they get so much less obvious because it's so hard to know who's available from the other side yeah, two years out.
0: I was about to, but that's what I mean. like I, I do think that you know if there's one GM in the league, I'd leave it up to Dubas to just kind of pull a rabbit out of his hat and be like, oh yeah, we just found this guy that no no one else knew was actually available
1: exactly because he's done it so many
0: times, yeah, one hundred percent, right. Like it just. You know, yeah, how many times have we absolutely seen it? Uh, yeah, can you sort my – oh, yeah, hand in this. There we go. Right. Oh, I'm really going to filter this one down now. Seabourk, um, Tyler Myers, Tyson Berry, not the greatest top three in terms of cap hit for right-handed defensemen. Um, something tells me an Ilya Lubushkin reunion is not in the mix. No. Nope. Um, Justin Schultz doesn't seem like the type of guy you would go and acquire at 33. This yeah. list is pathetically bad as well. Holy smokes.
1: Yeah, you have to
0: This is insane. Okay, let me list the guys who make more than $1 million right now. Right-handed defensemen who are UFAs in two years. Brent Seba, Rook, Tyler Myers, Tyson Berry, Chris Tana, great one, but Calgary's not ready. Brandon Montour, Justin Shaw, Dylan DeMello. That would be an interesting fit as well.
1: Yeah, Demelo'd be all right. But again, uh, Ilyu- Jets sorry. are doing, doing
0: good, right? He, yes, it would it would definitely have to come down to the Jets kind of thinking or like hitting a wall, which yeah. doesn't look like it's happening as much this year. But uh, Ilya Lobushkin, Colin Miller, Yanny Hank, Hankinpah, and Josh Brown. Those are the 11 defensemen that are set to be UFAs uh, in two years' time that play the right side right now.
1: Yeah, I
0: see. That is bad. That is going to be an insane free agency in terms of people spending unnecessary amounts of money.
1: Yeah, they're just just we're just out of capable available defensemen.
0: Yeah, exactly. League wide, so I think. Yeah, it'll be interesting what they do. Uh, it'll be a deadline move. I don't think they're going to panic and do anything right now,
1: but still, because you need the information on Sandine and Grin, which yeah. you can only get with time. Like once you have some certainty around that. And could, you could really tailor your strategy, but you need that information. And and this understand. team can kind of afford that too, right? Like, oh, yeah, they're doing all this. Matthews is like last in the league in five on five points per hour, and they're still second in the division.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, and then, yeah, that's the thing about the whole like world is falling thing. They're back up second in the division.
1: Yeah. And uh, Matthews still hasn't really turned it around, at least not at even strength. I think his power numbers are still fine, but like Matthews is probably going to get better yet yeah exactly um
0: okay let's uh want to play a quick game of uh the career game i'm in all right we haven't done this in a while so for anyone who is new or hasn't listened before uh this is where i basically i have topics i let chase pick a player i have three players in that topic uh and i will read off the teams that they've played for chase will then have to try and guess who it is uh he can choose i mean we, we play for points technically um, so he can choose hints. Uh, if he wants one hint, uh, he gets the seasons that the the amount of seasons the player played. If he wants two hints, it's still active or what was his last year active. Uh, third hint would be the longest serving team. Fourth hint would be year drafted. Fifth hint is amount of NHL games played. Uh, sixth hint is non-NHL teams and points in the NHL. Um, all right. I have a couple of these, uh, most of these have been categories we've done before, uh, but let's start with one that it doesn't look like we've actually done before. Uh, So I'll give you the choice of two here. Um, Ooh, and actually one of these, hmm, I'm going to have to take one of these out. It was cheap deadliners, which is traded at the deadline for a fourth or less, but that was last year's deadline. And I don't really expect you to know that.
1: Yeah, cheap would be tough.
0: There are. I think you could get one of these guys pretty easily. The other two, I'm well, not sure about. But uh, the other one I had was <laughs> gross. Thirty-six to forty-year-old blue liners that played in Dallas. Uh, and I also have keeping it local, which is Toronto players from the Toronto-ish area.
1: Uh, we'll go to Dallas. Why not? All right, A, B, or C? C.
0: All right. Let me put his name into Hockey DB here. And I will give you the teams. New Jersey Devils, Atlanta Thrashers, Winnipeg Jets, Chicago Blackhawks, Dallas Stars, Chicago Blackhawks, Ottawa Senators, Philadelphia Flyers. If he does. Uh yep, sure. So starts his career with the New Jersey Devils.
1: Is it is it Johnny Yeah. Yes, it is. oh <laughs> Hell <my> yeah. <laughs> when you said devils to thrashers, I was like, I swear to God, I don't know why I know this one, but I know this one.
0: Oh, this is why I'm this, this makes me, I don't know how you do this. I the, when I'm looking through these, I go, Oh, yeah, I forgot that guy played there, or Oh, man, he played there. That's so interesting. And then I go, I don't think he's going to get this. And you just pull it out of nowhere.
1: I didn't even remember, I barely even heard you say the final three teams. I was just well, like, I swear this
0: is Johnny Oduya. That makes sense because he did a second tour in Chicago for 15 <laughs> games when they traded for him at 16-17. And then he played 51 games in Ottawa, which was miserable to watch. And one game the Philadelphia Flyers <laughs> in 2017-18 when yeah. he got traded there and then did not play with them.
1: I'm pretty impressed um, with that, guys.
0: That is really good. Uh, so that would be a full 10 points right there. Um, all right, let's go... I added a couple players to these ones because you've already guessed uh, one of the players. Let's do, do you want to do D-Men that played for Toronto or players turned TSN or sports debt analysts? I'll go analysts. All right. Uh, What player do you want? A, B, or C? Uh, B. All right. Let me pull up his list here. Shorter one than last time. We have the Vancouver Canucks the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Pittsburgh Penguins.
1: Turned analyst on the Leafs? <laughs> I can't get Kevin BX out of my head because he started with the Canucks, <laughs> and that is going to irritate me this whole time. Vancouver Canucks. Today. All right, I'm going to need a hint on this one. All right, how many hints do you want? Just one? Uh start with
0: one, yeah. All right. His season's played was
1: six six seasons yeah six seasons in a movie uh give me a second one too uh
0: okay so his last year active in the NHL was 2017 18
1: okay and that team was the penguins then right so i actually know those penguins teams
0: yeah
1: uh that was a cup winning penguins team wasn't it
0: uh, it would have been the year after Penguins won the cup in 16 and 17.
1: Capitals. Won oh, in 18. Yeah, you're right. Still. I do remember those Penguins teams at the very least. I remember someone very specific from the Leafs and Penguins on those teams, but that was not a defenseman and he was not drafted by Vancouver. <laughs> So, uh, give me another hint. All right.
0: Longest serving team. I might have to do some math on this one. Uh, no, his longest serving team would be Vancouver, technically.
1: Vancouver to Not part of the hint, but should. would I remember him as a leaf or a penguin? Uh, you would remember him as a leaf. This
0: is a tough one, but once once you get it, or like once I say the name, you're gonna be like, Oh, how, how did I not get it?
1: <laughs> See, I'm thinking of Matt Hunwick, went from the Leafs to the Penguins in that era, but it was not Matt Hunwick. Like, I don't even not. think Hunwick uh, ever played on Vancouver.
0: Three hints left years drafted, games played, non NHL teams, and points. oh my god, of
1: those it's um. God, what's his name? He's on the SDP. That was like um it was like a big thing, right? Frankie.
0: Frankie Carrado. Yes. Yeah. Frank Carrado. Again, mostly on the lease thinking of being sat on the lease as the guy who uh that was a tough one because he technically spent three or four years with Vancouver, but the one year was the year he was drafted. So he got traded to the Kitchener Rangers, went on a playoff run with the Rangers got eliminated, it was 2012-13, they were so injured with the Canucks that he came up, played three NHL regular season games with them and four playoff games, um, and then obviously played 15 and 10 the next two years, didn't work out from a trade to the Leafs where he played 39 games, two games in the year that him and Justin Hall just sat up in the press box all year, got yeah, flipped years. to the Penguins and played two games and five games for the Pittsburgh Penguins
1: yeah all I get all I had in my head was Hunwick because I remember him going from the least of penguins in yeah. that era.
0: um all right, let's do let's do one more. We'll do uh, I'll give you just um uh, i'll I'll just tell you which one it is. this one's called bye bye, bye, and that's the players who are bought it. Uh, do you want player A B or C?
1: Uh, we'll go a complete okay. the the There. let me pull up his honky
0: dB. Uh This player played for L.A., San Jose, Philly, and Seattle.
1: For Seattle? L.A. and Philly's the wrong order to be the obvious L.A. and Philly guy who got bought out. And obviously Jeff Carter never played, or Richard's never played on Seattle. Seattle really makes this one interesting, to be honest.
0: So I put this name on,
1: yeah, like this is Seattle really makes this one interesting. He starts on LA. Yeah. And then he goes to Philly. San Jose in between LA. And San, San LA. Jose. And then he goes to Philly. Yeah. Starts on LA and ends up on the Kraken. So who's on the Kraken last year? Um, uh, they have. It's gonna be nano. Is he on the Kraken last year or this year? Can't tell you.
0: You want seasons that'll...
1: played? Yeah, give me seasons played.
0: All right, he has ten seasons played in the NHL.
1: Okay. Have L.A. and played on the. The Kraken's a good team to have in here because there are so few. Kraken obviously in the NHL. Yeah. So it wouldn't be. McCann. It wouldn't like Giordano was their captain. It wouldn't be him. It wouldn't be Jaden Schwartz. It wouldn't be Yarn because he's on the Leaves. It wouldn't be done with St. Louis. It wouldn't be Brandon Tana, I don't think. No, because he was in Penguins. Alexiak was in Dallas. You said he played in San Jose? Yep. Okay, but never the Abs, right? So it wouldn't nope. be Don Skoy. Johansson you know, played on the Caps. Wouldn't be Adam Larson.
0: Why not on him? The next one's still active or last year active.
1: Yeah, give me that. He is still active. Still active. Okay, so it's this year's crack, and that helps marginally. So it's not Bjorkstrand, who's new. It wouldn't be Yanny. The next one's the longest serving team. Give me like a that, 17. I think this will blow it out of the water.
0: It's the San Jose Sharks.
1: Is there a team of the Sharks? This one's going to irritate me when it happens, isn't it? Yes, it will. It's like, so I've gone through most of this eight or so. Last year, they draft Grubauer. It's not Grubauer. And Dreger. San Jose Sharks it's Martin Jones
0: right It is Martin Jones Yeah okay The San Jose Sharks bought him out before he went to Philly they bought him out in 2021 um out of the last two or six years sorry he had 3 years left on his deal so it was a 6 year buyout
1: I kind of um, forgot he was in Philly
0: Yeah so I so when I put him on the list <laughs> it was last year before he went to San Jose which I don't think you I would have been interested to see if you got that one without a seattle on the list to be honest
1: yes yeah, Seattle. without seattle that would have been really hard yeah but because luckily they, seattle once you go through the skaters in seattle realize it's none of them they can only be four people realistically Three for three again. I don't think you've gotten many of these wrong, to be honest.
0: I I keep thinking I was like, I don't know how hard to make these, but uh, you were absolutely killing them. So
1: that one was really hard. That one was hints necessary, and I only got it because I can name most of Seattle's players all time.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but still, ten. So ten points for the first one. You needed three hints for the next two, right? Yeah. So that one we'll call it seven. So seventeen. Yeah, I'll just take a point off for every hint that you needed. Um, So 24 points overall, not bad. Uh, Let us know if you beat uh, Chase's 24 out of 30.
1: No Um, way anyone beat me on Oduya.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oduya is such a fun one. (laughs) Uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, We will definitely be back at you next week. Um, As always, you can find all my work at lastwordonhockey.com. Uh, you can find Chase's stuff at actionnetwork.com and his Substack, uh, which you can find on his Twitter at CMHockey66. You can follow me on Twitter at sends and stuff. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week.